Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an epic-inspired podcast that brings innovation to professional development. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows, an epic podcast for teachers and leaders. Oh my gosh. Okay. You are a jokester. Every single time, I don't even know why I invited you on here, but this is a podcast and you all are here and I've got the tremendously awesome but irritating Scott Hazelwood on the line. He is my special guest today. Uh, you're not irritating at all. You just are so nonconformist in the world of education that you're a freaking breath of fresh air, Scott Hazelwood. Thank you for being well, on the it podcast. Depends, it depends on who you talk to uh, <laughs> would, would be dependent on whether I'm a breath of fresh air or, oh my God, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Um, <laughs> get the whole gamut of emotions. You get all of them. <laughs> I love it. Sheer joy, sheer frustration, going home crying in my wife. You, you, get, you get all of them. <laughs> well, you are actually my first um, non-epic family, epic administrator, epic teacher, epic student guest on this very epic podcast. But I, I don't know how I feel about all of the epicness. I, I know. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> well, but this is the beauty. And you and I met in a world of collaboration. Yes. And... You and I have, I mean, uh, we, we had our own podcast for a couple of years, uh, Oakla said, and everything we've done has, we've never been in the same school district. Uh, mm-hmm. We've never had the same type of students, but you and I have always had the most amazing conversations. And uh, honestly, when I thought about this topic and we're talking about online fatigue and burning out and, and busting that burnout, um, you had been doing uh, a, a version of online through flipped classroom for so many years before online was kind of really a thing before people really knew what Epic was before people really <laughs> before the pandemic for darn sure is all I'm saying. Um, and so when I thought about this topic, I was like, I really need Scott to be a part of this conversation. Okay, good. Um, anything else? Um, well, Tell My me, time is precious, Aaron. You I know, it. I know. Tell me who you are and how long you've been in the world of education. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I'm Scott Hayeswood. Um, this is year 20 something, some middle 20s, like firmly middle 20s. Um, let me think. So, really, your time is precious. You don't need to think that much. Just, just some background. Aaron and I are really good friends, and she's got like, I, we're the typical brother-sister combo. Like, I don't have her wedding anniversary in my phone, but she has my wedding anniversary in her phone, <laughs> like, seven times over the course of the... And I don't know that any of them are correct. I no, don't know I how this in, happened. The one in June is correct. The okay. one in June is correct, but the one in September, the other one January. in January, the other one in, like, April or March or something. Somehow <laughs> you infiltrated my phone and yeah. have put it's seven like, or eight anniversaries in there. Um... Yeah, so I got actually, and the reason I said that is I, I got married the year before I started teaching. So I think this is year 24 in education. When you 25. relate anything to marriage, the word I think shouldn't be in there. 
Teaching? <laughs> no. <laughs> Time. If you if you oh. have to think about your anniversary, you're in big trouble. So we'll make That's sure right. Jasmine does not get the link to to listen. Yeah, we got married in '97, so this is this is 24 coming up. So so that means um, that I'm I'm wrapping up that that year of of being in education. Most of it was spent in high school. Uh, as a high school math teacher, and then Aaron, Aaron said a minute ago that I did flip classroom stuff, and that was the last two or three or four years that I was in the classroom, and then um, I spent a little bit of time in higher ed, <clears throat> which is basically the same monkeys and circus that um, K-12 ed is. Um, a lot of the issues that, that and, ch- and challenges that I had from that, from that world are, are the same ones that we're ex- experiencing in K-12, and then now I'm back in K-12 in, in Middell. Um, as a director, executive director of technology. So that's really awesome. And now, mm. so you, you've always been an edgy leader, uh, even when you were I a teacher. Always, no, but... even when you were a teacher, you were kind of on the cutting edge. You were leading presentations. Grew what? You grew into, well, maybe. I mean, we, we've all evolved into what we are now, but, but you were always kind of on the, the, the leading edge of things. And now that you sit in an ivory tower, um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, how how do you think your role is different in education, and how do you try to keep it uh, the same? So my, my role is um, is a little bit different now um, with the so it's it's at the it's at the, the district level now instead of a site level or. Um, a department level, which is, I, I, I didn't have the opportunity to go through like a building leadership experience at all. So, um, so in that regard, I'm still learning a lot, <clears throat> which has been challenging. It's been fun. It's been exhausting. It's been exciting. It's been frustrating. It's like, yeah, all those emotions. I mean, it's been, it's been all those. Um, and it's been a little bit challenged too, because I don't have that, uh, when, when you're, when you're a teacher leader, you work sort of within the bounds of the, you know, the guidance from your administration in your building, which is working within the bounds of the guidance of the administration of the district. And so as, as a teacher leader, I would try and knock down the walls or, or find a back alley or whatever that I could do that still aligned me with, with site-based goals, building goals and district goals, but also gave me some freedom to step outside that world. Uh, and then I would just share what I was doing in my class with everybody. And that's basically how Aaron and I met um, was just, I, I found, I found Twitter, I found Oakwood Ed, I started sharing what I was doing. I was wanting feedback a lot of, a lot of the times. And, and, and I wasn't afraid to try something and, and mess it up. Um, now, now as a, as a district leader, um, it's a, it's a different challenge because <clears throat> I think differently in the classroom than probably 80% of teachers that are in the classroom. And I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I, th- I think I have really progressive views on education. Um, I, lo- I, I, I love and loathe a lot of things that K-12 does um, a- across the board. And, and so trying try now to figure out a way to get our teachers to be progressive, to teach the kids, um, to, to use technology in a meaningful way, not, not because... Um, and so this is a podcast, so this will make total sense. So what I'm gonna, I'll, I'll explain all of this. I'm going to pick up my iPhone and move it to the camera and, and, and point to it and say, every lesson that I do is going to include this iPhone. It's so amazing. Um, that's not true. Um, maybe a, maybe the lesson calls for an iPhone. Maybe it doesn't. So trying to 
figure out a way to communicate that to teachers who, who may or may not want to make that change is, is, is a challenge. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, look around the people you work with. We're humans. <clears throat> we don't want to change. Um, Aaron's wearing the same shirt now five days in a row. Like the past five times I've seen her, she's had this one shirt on. She doesn't want to change. Um, and, and so, uh, so how, how do we do that? Because technology is changing how we teach. Yeah. It's my favorite shirt to be fair and it's comfortable. And, um, I don't know the, the blend on that new shirt. It, it just seems scary. Blends right into the, um, you know, in the shirt you're wearing right now, it just, it matches your walls. <laughs> Oh my gosh. These people have no idea how to deal with you. I, I don't even know how this is going to no. go. Um, here's, here, here's, a ch- here's another challenge for you, Aaron. Think about this. Um, and, and this, and this isn't me trying to railroad um, your conversation, but, but just as another thought, um, our, our kids are growing up in a, in a gaming culture, right? So it, it doesn't matter if it's an Android game, iPhone game, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, doesn't matter what the game is, right? But the kids are growing up in that culture. And think about what a game has to do to get a, 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 a child, a, a person, a human to play. They have to teach that person how to play the game as efficiently as possible, or that person doesn't buy the game and leaves the game. Um, and, and so as, as teachers, we don't have that same point of view. We don't think, how do I hook this person in and teach them how to play this game in the first 10 minutes? Right. So. No, and that's huge because I mean, what the last thing we want to do, especially if we're trying to hook those kids and keep them for forever, is sell them a pretty crappy game for sixty bucks that they want to turn yeah. around and sell and and can't because the market doesn't allow for it. You know, right, yeah. right. Or or I'm going to teach them according to the game and the rules of the game that I played in 1980. Well, that was that was what um, tic tac toe or you know or something like that. Like Pong. it wasn't this. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I played Space Invaders on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred in the early '80s, and I thought that was the the shiz. No, um, but I played I Space Invaders in a VR world last night, and my 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 thighs hurt, my arms are. I, I punched the door. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> if your legs are hurting from playing VR Space Invaders. I think you were doing it wrong. No, you have to duck around bullets and all kinds of things. But that, but that comes back though to, to how we're teaching students. So, yes. so um, you know, if we're, if we're using those same exact practices that, that we had when, when we were younger in the, you know, and like I'm a child of the eighties, Aaron is close to that. Um, I'll never reveal a lady's age, but she may be more nineties than me. Um, but, but, but for, for those people that are teaching now, if you came through in the eighties and nineties, the classroom should look completely different. Yeah. And in a lot of cases it doesn't. So speaking of the classroom, I mean, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, how much in-person I mean, versus online is uh, Middell doing? Or, or we're doing four days a week. In-person? In-person. Okay. And um, with Wednesdays um, as a day for teachers to... Um, Wednesdays are supposed to be a virtual learning day for students and a day for teachers where they can get in and work on their... on. On, on their stuff as part of teaching. Okay. Um, my kids go to Deer Creek mm-hmm. public schools and they're on a, on a block schedule right now. So my kids go to school Monday, Tuesday, and then they are 
remote Wednesday, Thursday, and then the entire district is virtual on Friday. So here we've found a pretty sweet spot, um, but people push it all the time. <laughs> and, and I would say that like Zoom sweet spots between teachers and their principals, um, honestly, they should be no more than an hour. And meetings between teachers and students, um, really, I mean, if you are if you are engaged with that kid the whole entire time, should be no more than thirty minutes. And and thirty minutes is honestly on on the the far side of that. And I know that that's crazy because in the classroom we had kids in there for an hour or ninety minutes, but we've had to totally shift thinking. Because these kids are getting burned out, you know, they're online all the time, their classes are online, they're, they're meeting with teachers online. And so there's this online fatigue that's happening. We, we're a 10 year old school doing this. How are you guys doing? What are some of the struggles? Are, are you seeing those sweet spots? Do you find that it's different? What, what kind of um, parameters do you guys place on your online at time? So we, we're using an asynchronous model. Okay. Uh, so when our students aren't with us, they they check in on the learning as, as they are able. So um, I'm a strong, strong advocate that synchronous learning is not ideal for our younger learners, K, K through 12. Now, uh, with, the, with a caveat that probably an 11th and a 12th grader, those guys can probably hang in there a little bit longer. Um, but a kindergartner doesn't need to be uh, on a Zoom call all day with their teacher. No, and we don't do that. We do it. We do the Zoom yeah. calls once, maybe twice a week. Um, yeah, and, it's and just I would too even much. advocate that that's not necessary um, because if you if you if you think about if, if your argument, and this is just me talking, so um, I, I don't know what research says on all this. I don't know what we've got good research on all this yet, but this is just me talking. When you when you have a first grader in a in a classroom in a building all day long from from eight to three. That, that first grader is walking into a building, they're getting recess, they're maybe transitioning from class to class, they're going to vocal, they're going to PE, they're going to art. Um, uh, the activities inside the classroom uh, have those students moving constantly. And so, and so now, now we're, we're taking that <clears throat> structured busy, busyness of a day and we're saying, okay, just sit still in front of this screen um, hate it because because you have to sit still in front of that screen for six hours. But the interaction with the student is not the same. Um, you know that student isn't getting up and moving around every ten minutes like they would in your classroom. And and so um, I, I would just say that just just for me personally, having the students sit down for a Zoom call for thirty minutes, two or three times a week is probably too much. Yeah. Um, there's. Because what can you do in a 30-minute Zoom call? Checking in is super important, not knocking that. Uh, saying hi to your students, getting uh, you know, getting a read of the room, like how, how are they doing? I'm not, I'm not knocking any of those kinds of things. But I, th I think using that time as a, as a teaching time, I, I don't know. I think there's just other ways to do that. And, and flipped classroom is like one of those ways. So the other thing that I've talked with my um, faculty about is the younger the student, the more you're really talking to a parent anyway in yes. those spaces. So yes. we're using... Canvas, and when I talk, I'm like, "Hey, if if you're a kindergarten or first grade teacher, you're talking to the parents. They're the ones that have to support you at home. All right. The older you get, the more you're talking to the students. So we, you know, so that's kind of the the view that we've taken here. I love that. And 
And those 30 minute check-ins are, are more of a check-in. It's trying to be collaborative in like talking to each other. I saw a meme the other day and I, I re, uh, posted it because I thought it was perfect. And it speaks to the problem we have with teaching online, like being 100% Zoom, you know, trying to get a lesson out. Uh, I saw a meme that was like, I just taught an entire um, second grade class, uh, the the structure of, you know, something or other. I don't even remember because it, it doesn't matter. And then I asked at the end, does anybody have any questions? And somebody said, is your cat a boy or a girl? And I was right. like, that's exactly right. You can't yeah. teach this way. So it's more of a check-in, uh, let the kids hang out. But in, it's kind of like a what to expect for this week, how you might be able to do this this week. Um one of my favorite uh, teachers actually sends her kiddos to the grocery store. I mean, she assigns like, I need you to go to the grocery store when, when mom goes this week or when dad goes this week. And we're going to find all the purple things and we're going to find all the bees that we can find and take a picture with that cell phone. And so uh, it is it is not as much um, like the teaching at the lower grades. I think there is a lot more of that going on at the upper grades, but... Um, and, and I would argue that you don't need it at the upper grades. You can humanize You can humanize your course. So if you or I were teaching, Aaron, we could still put our faces in front of our kids. We could still have communication with our kids. We could still find out what's going on with our kids. Um, we can still do all of that. We don't have to have them on Zoom calls from 8 to 845, 9 to 945, 10 to – like we can still do all of that. I agree. Um, without – because it's – I mean, I just go back to last, last spring just for me and – um, sitting on Zoom calls all day long was exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting. And because um, you were doing it with different sections or what? Well, no, I, I was just working with other faculty who weren't prepared to have this sudden shift of teaching face to face and now teaching online. Yeah. And, and things that I had been talking. And so I was, I was at Oklahoma City University when it happened and, and things that we had been trying to get the university to do for years finally happened because the pandemic forced a change. Right. And and I know it's like for, for our teachers here in Midell, I'm sure for yours too, this change was, it was difficult. This year has been so challenging. And, um, you know, we, we asked our faculty to learn how to use Canvas. <clears throat> that's been, a, that's been a challenge. Some, some of them have dug right in. Some of them are resistant, just like humans. Yeah. And so my they feel over, yeah, they feel overwhelmed, they feel stressed out and, and, and all that. And I, and I think to, to just bring all this home for a lot of teachers in our state, they had to step into a new way of teaching this year and they had to learn, they had to really learn something that they were uncomfortable with, that they had never learned, that they didn't know how to do before. And because it was so unusual for them, it was very uncomfortable. I, I think that's fair to say, and that's, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying we were in this, we were just, we're just in a new space. Yeah. The result of that though, is you are experiencing learning of a new thing right now when you can be aware of what you're learning, right? That is how our students feel every day when they come into our rooms every day. It doesn't matter what age level. So when I send something out to my staff and they feel stressed out about having learning it because it's new to them. That's how their kids feel learning that new stuff. We're just older. We're, we're as adults now, we're typically a little bit more capable of understanding like, Hey, this is learning going on. Right. And this is my reaction to that. And and so I would say, keep that in mind for, for teachers as, as you're learning these things this year, 
that's how your students feel every single day. For, for most of us, learning was easy. That's why we teach, because learning was easy. We understood it. We got it. We figured it out. We have a passion for it. It's easy. But when something comes in that's out of left field, like what had to happen all across the state with like Canvas and Schoology and, and Google Classroom, like having to be part of everyday teaching now when we didn't use it that way before and we had to learn, um, that, that, that's, that's hard. So are there any um, tips or, or pointers that you've given your group, uh, your teachers, like, guys, doesn't matter, you know, if you're doing this or that, but this is a, a non-negotiable. Are there any things that uh, you guys have decided are non-negotiables when you, you are embracing this new kind of uh, way of learning? One of, one of the things that, that we've tried really hard to um, encourage, so it's, it's been difficult to put together a set of non-negotiables because we didn't get to all sit down and talk about what it looks like district-wide. Right. It was more like, holy crap, we <laughs> got to get this done. <laughs> right? Right. Um, and so the sites have had a lot of leeway on that. And, and there's, I think we've got 20, 21 sites, I think. And, and so they've had a lot of leeway on that, but we've settled into at most sites, some version of a weekly calendar um, or daily calendar, just depends on, on the site. And in some of the sites, they sat down and talked about, hey, this is what we need to have on our daily calendar. This is what we need to have on our weekly calendar. Um, some sites haven't done that. Um, we've also encouraged teachers, we really want them to do one video a week, um, not teaching related. So like weekly announcements, weekly sum up, uh, some, just some sort of something. Um, not related to actual instruction that they put in their classes too. So those are a I couple of that. We're, that we're trying to ensure that everybody gets. Um, I, kn I know that the, the students at Midwest City High School, for example, don't necessarily need the exact same setup as the students at Dell City High School, but those schools need to have a consistent structure of Canvas with every teacher. Um, the same thing, like if you look at like Steed Elementary versus Schwartz Elementary versus um, Soldier Creek Elementary. Um, they don't all need to look identical, but each elementary school for all those teachers need to be very similar. Yeah. So I read an article. Um, it was actually a couple of weeks ago. But what I, time I told you about reading? <laughs> it's it's reading. not good for you, especially if you are trying to grow. Um, <laughs> Some crazy idea. No, but I thought it was insane because, you know, in October of 2020, we'd been quite into this like online environment, not just in education, but like businesses have gone online. Zoom meetings are happening. I mean, Zoom is like the word of 2020. Um, but uh, I read this article and I thought, oh my gosh, let me scroll back to the date this was written because this seems, um, I don't know, uh, I was, I was just shocked that it was written in 2020, but it, it had said that for every minute of, of online or screen time, you need five minutes to decompress offline. And it just hit me. I was like, yes, that's true. When was this written? Probably in like 2014. But no, it was written this year as a reminder to get the deuce off of screens sometimes, you know? Uh, and so I think that's something that parents and teachers and, and administrators as they're setting some of these non-negotiables or setting the guidelines for what their school looks like need to keep in mind is that like you need 
more time away from screens than you need on screens. And so you should probably be cognizant of that. And that's one of the reasons I love your flipped uh, process from back in the day. You would teach that, you know, little nugget of information. And then the whole class time was together, working, collaborative, you know, and, and they can watch that little nugget, but then the whole learning process takes place offline. And I think that as much as we can, we've got to remember that these kiddos do not need to be seeing the screen. I mean, they're making blue light glasses for the amount of screen time that we've got. And that's sad to me, even somebody who works in an online school, um, we need, it, it doesn't have to be just online. We've got to find ways to make learning take place outside. And I know, um, I don't know how all my listeners feel about Jacob Rosecrans, but he's got that play-based initiative that is, is huge, but I feel like it's really geared towards littles and how do we get older kids offline and playing more and, and offline (laughs) more, you know, because I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like, you know, someday in like 15 years from now, were you or someone you loved a part of the online learning pandemic? You may have a... These lawyers. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, because what are we doing to our brains right now with so much screen time? But Well, I, I think that's why I'm such a proponent of asynchronous learning. And, and asynchronous just simply means that we're going to engage uh, in this online form at different times. And, and I think that's why I like that is because it doesn't, you know, it still requires work to be fun, but, but then... Um, are you going to have to edit that out? Uh, no, no, we're at 27:33 of conversation. Um, <laughs> no, so you're going to, you're going to, what you're going to have to do is, and bless you, you're, you're going to have to, if you can use that asynchronous environment, which is where you're not expecting everybody to be online at the same time, you're allowing students then to have some flexibility to step into that learning when they're ready. Now, I, I get that students are going to always say, I'm never ready, Mr. Hazelwood. I don't want to learn today. I'm not doing this. Homework. You know, yes, there are non-negotiables. This homework piece, project, activity thing is due at such and so date. That, that, that's part and parcel of being a teacher. Like, um, but, it, but at the same time, <clears throat> because of the pandemic, that's put a lot of different um, factors into play as far as what our students can and can't do at home. And, and some of our students maybe have a job now. Uh, to help at home because this is a really wonky world that we're living in. And and so are you telling me now that I have to tell that student that they can't work to help supplement family, uh, a, a family needs because they have to do this whatever project. And so I think that's where the asynchronous learning comes into play for me. It allows those students to do the things they need to do to meet family needs that maybe they weren't able to do in the past. It also allows them to continue to learn. Now, on the flip side, as teachers, we just have to be a little bit more flexible on on those due dates. So, instead of saying like a, a dude, there's a something has to be due every day of the week by three o'clock, we could say, hey, I need X and such work by Sunday at midnight, and then that gives the students some flexibility to to come in and do that work. Maybe they can do the work all day on Saturday and Sunday. Right. The, that's, I mean, I would say, you know, my kids have been in Epic for 10 years now. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of them went to the district up the street uh, for a year and nine weeks and decided to come back. Um, but this year, even though I've been doing this for forever, is the toughest year because I think it's the first year that either myself or my husband hasn't been a teacher and we've been you know, at the administrative level here, 
which comes with a packaged set of hours, you know, and, and I would say that we are more like the traditional family at home than we've ever been before with, with he and I working these set hours. And so sometimes learning doesn't start here until noon. Sometimes learning doesn't really start here until three when online meetings for us are over. And then we can really get into that math or we can really get into, and I think, <clears throat> We have to be aware of the the parents, you know, are now at home and they've never had to be at home before. And the, the kids are at home and they've never had to be at home before. Yeah, so talk to the parents. Like, exactly. This is what we're doing. Yes. I mean, and, and it's huge. As long as I think communications and you've got to, I think teachers are expected more this year than they've ever been before to develop relationships with those parents and, and really make the parents part of the learning process. And you have to collaborate with them or else, I mean, if they're at home, I think this year is the first year we've seen um, more parents doing schoolwork than ever before. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's so tough because I'm, uh, you know, you, you, you meet up with a kiddo and you are trying to help them with something and you're like, Whoa, this is, you know, an adaptive program that you should be doing on your own. Why are you third grader, you know, factoring polynomials at this point? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we had some of that too, um, with, with our star testing. Um, and, and for those of you that are unfamiliar, depending on what age group you teach, the star testing is like a, a normed out testing platform. And basically the kids come in and they, they go through this star test multiple times a year and it, and it, it does, it does a good job of sort of tracking their growth uh, as, as they learn over the course of a year. And, and some of our, some of, some of our first start test scores were really, 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 really good. Like, hey, <laughs> really, you've really good. never read at this level before. Yes, Tell like, me what's going you know, on. Uh, so, how, but, so how do we account for that? I mean, even at my own home, uh, my, my daughter was, was doing something one day and she's like, Dad, I have a question about this math problem. Like, are you taking the quiz? Yes, I'm not answering. Nope. <laughs> you know, like you're on your own. Write it down. We'll talk about it after the quiz. And, and so, but but even then, at my own house, like my first question had to be not let me help you. My first question had to be, are you taking the quiz? Right. And and so. But you're an educator, and do you think all of our our families are equipped to be able to think like? Is this a quiz? Is this a unit test? Or is this a practice? If this is a and practice, it sure. doesn't matter. I want my kids to do good, right? Right. Even as an educator, like I want the, the name of the game right now, and I don't like it, but we fight this battle in my house. Is what's your GPA? That's the name of the game, right? Or, right or wrong? That's the game you play, and and so for them, that's what they're being groomed for. Every pre-K kid um, through twelfth grade in the United States is groomed on. The name of the game is GPA. That determines my future, right, right or wrong. And so I'm not a fan of it. I think there's better ways you can do things. But um, so, so yeah, I want my kids to have a great GPA. And and the teacher will never know if I helped Madigan, you know, on on this quiz. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a it's a frustrating thing because um, I just happened to think about it when she was working on it, mostly because I had been dealing with that in my district. Yeah. Like how, how, how do we handle, how do we handle this? Like, how do we encourage our families to support their students while at the same time trying to ensure that older siblings or relatives aren't doing the work of the student? I mean, that, that's one of the reasons why I went to flip classroom is because the second my homework <clears throat> leaves the classroom from me with a student, 
I don't know who's doing it. I don't know who's doing it. It could, it could be them. I want it to be them, but I truly don't know. Right. And so now we're in this online environment where we're putting these things out and we're asking kids to do that. We don't know that it's the students who are doing that. We want it to be the students. It's, we hope it's, it's the geared students. to be the students, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, so uh, on that note, have you found um, any anomalies in grades? Uh, are grades going down on a whole? Are grades going up on a whole? Uh, so we we did do some research that we sh- that we shared at our October board meeting. Um, and so it's, it's public information, but, um, and I don't know how this compares historically in our district, but before the October board meeting, and so this was all still fairly new, over half of the students at the secondary level, level had an F in a class somewhere. And so that's not necessarily an indication the student wasn't learning, right. and, and that's also not an indication that the teacher wasn't teaching. It's just an indication of uh, this is a whole new different landscape that we have to navigate. And, and so... And, and, and so that's where it comes back to what I said a, couple, a few minutes ago. Some of that is the teachers teaching like they're in a face-to-face classroom. You want to set a deadline in your face-to-face classroom? No problem. If this assignment's due at the beginning of the class period tomorrow, no problem. Why? Because you've communicated to that student like 15 times during class today, this is due tomorrow, this is due tomorrow, this is due tomorrow. Right. In an online environment, that doesn't happen. You may get one shot to remind them that it's due tomorrow if they see it before tomorrow. Yeah. And, and so I think it's a combination of very rigid timelines and, and, and the way that grades are, are completed. This, um, is, this is honestly where we've had to have personalization come in. And, and it's been one of the, the most difficult things, I think, for any teacher coming into our model um, to say, you know what, this isn't working, but I, I know you can get this. Let me switch the way I'm teaching it. And it, it, you could have a different lesson than Madigan could have a different lesson than Jasmine. It's all the same content, but we're having to switch it up. We found, and I'm, I'm glad you, I mean, I'm kind of glad you found that. I, I hate that for your kids feeling the F feeling the, the fail. Um, but we have a lot of people that come to us saying, hey, my kid was an A, B student, you know, and, and now we're making D's and F's. What gives? And it's just a, you have to be able to to change for the kiddo. Not I, I, I would hate this online learning platform if that was all I had to do. I'd fail it because I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want to be I'm not motivated to get into it. I, I just need something different. And so. Um, I hate that you guys are finding that, but it it um, kind of validates a little bit some of our historical data that it it just it has to you have to be able to pivot when the learning isn't taking place. Well, the the yes and and no. Um, I, I agree with a lot a lot of what you said. I think I think trying to personalize learning is really important. But we're asking our teachers to do something they haven't been trained to do. Our teachers have not, so so if I'm stepping into Epic Charter, I, I have a little bit of an understanding that I'm gonna be working in an online environment for the most part. And I know you guys have some face-to-face time built in and different you know, collaborative things that you guys do. But if I step into your, if I step into the Aaron Barnes Epic Charter world, I'm taking a few truths with me that, that there's gonna be online learning in some fashion and that'll probably be the majority of what goes on. And then these are the sort of the expectations of that. As a student that comes into Epic Charter, they're bringing with them some truth. This is going to be, for the most part, unimportant or, or whatever. Again, 
with the caveat that there's collaboration times, there's time when you guys meet face to face and do different things. But primarily, it's an online environment, right? Um, the K-12 teachers in, in, the, in the public schools, in, in the brick and mortar schools, they didn't come in with that same expectation. Right. It was forced upon them. Right. And, and they may or may not have had the opportunity to try and figure out how to teach online, one. Two, the students didn't get a choice either. They were forced into this online environment. So, so they also were not necessarily prepared for learning in that way. So when we've got half of our students um, in October with Fs, that's not necessarily an indication of poor teaching or poor learning, but it's an indication of, hey, we're not good at this. And we're trying to figure out expectations. Maybe the teacher does need to personalize a few things. Hey, if you could do this thing for me, or maybe if the teacher said, "Hey, this is the due date for these, you know, for this week. We're going to sure. do all the work at one time on this week." And maybe if the if the student said, um, "Okay, I know I need to do X, Y, Z better, or B, you know, I need to check into my class a little bit more frequently, or what, or whatever." And and that's hard because for for one, in, in my humble opinion. Online learning in K-12 is not the best way to do it. I think, just in my personal opinion, um, I, I think students need to be with teachers and with their peers in a in the same space. I, I think that's critical to the overall learning of the, of the student. Um, I'm not knocking Epic um, or or that that model. Yeah. No. Um, but but I just that that wouldn't that just wouldn't work for me personally. Okay? Sure. No. And on, on the, you go ahead. Side, go ahead. Yeah. And but on the flip side too. <clears throat> these these students, I mean, there's college students that don't need to be taking online courses. And we're talking about online courses that have, have gone through like a, a quality certification process. It's a good online course and and students aren't prepared for that. So I, I think that's I think this whole thing has just been on, on everybody. Teachers are trying to learn all this stuff. Students are trying to learn all this stuff. We didn't come along along the way and figure out like, should you be an online teacher? Should you be an online student? We just throw them in there. Right. And that's uh, to be fair, this is probably all of our teachers and, and returning students hardest year as well, because we've had groups taken away because we've had face to face taken away because of, I mean, and some of it can still happen, but um, I mean, I, I don't know how much we've talked uh, honestly this school year, but in July, our student load was, we had 38,000 students, you know, we were, um, a large school, but not, you know, it wasn't stupid large. <laughs> in, in August, we had 69,000 students. Uh, and in one month, all these people decided that this was how their kids were going to learn. This is, you know, and, and it, it's not fair to anybody. Those poor kiddos, you know, uh, had no clue what they were getting. The parents had no clue what they were getting. We had to hire like crazy to, to meet that need. And, and those teachers kind of didn't know what they were getting. And I think this year has probably been the hardest because our training model has had to change too. We, we, we can no longer say, well, when you meet with this group of kids, you know, it, it's just different because that group of kids came here so that they didn't have to go meet with people, you know, um, the, I feel like this, this entire school year has been, ridiculously hard in that sense because I, I I mean it it changed our model 100% as well yeah, um, I, and it's just I think, sucky uh, for kids 
Yeah, I, I think you hit a, a good point there. Um, you know, the, the fact that Epic basically doubled enrollment in six weeks um, speaks to the challenges that, that we've had because <clears throat> we had to start an online, we had to start just just to meet the needs of our community, we had to start a virtual academy. Yeah. Like fast. Like in six fast. weeks. <laughs> like, yeah, like, Less than so that. just like you guys had to scale up, so so did we, so did other school districts, you know, around the state. And unless that was something that a school district already offered, scaling up like that, that is hard. Um, another case in point, we use Canvas. And and historically, I've I've loved using Canvas. I think it's a great tool. Um, I would argue with people uh, that is maybe one of the most effective tools that you could use as part of uh, K twelve in higher ed. Um, because of its ease of use and just the different things that it offers. Um, before this year, the customer service out of Canvas was top-notch, A-plus, super balls. This year, though, it's been a struggle yeah. be- because the the number of people now being forced into that. So it's a, it's like a system, and, and, and I say Canvas, but, you know, Google Classroom. I, I mean, the first day of school, Google shut down. Do you remember that? The yes, first, I first, do first, remember first, that. <laughs> when, the, when the East Coast all came back on, on to school, Google yeah. Classroom and, and Google Drive and everything was was shut down. Not because local districts couldn't do it, but for whatever reason, Google was caught off guard by all these people online. Google I mean, caught I mean, off so guard. Zoom caught off guard. Everybody. It's a system wide deal, and it, it has it has just really it this year has just been. Whew, <laughs> so I mean, like we're going to the liquor store a lot more often in the Hazel. Stop. <laughs> I do have a question though, and this isn't on my sheet. Like, how do you think this impacts? And and I I already know where you stand on um, the need for state testing because you're a huge fan of state testing. And no, I'm oh, just yeah. kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> um, people can't see my my facial expressions or yours, but. How do you think that, do you think, well, you, I know you, you don't ever think that it's going to be a great snapshot of learning. How do you think the online testing should change? Do you think it should even happen? What do you think, um, how do you guys, how are you planning district-wide for state testing in a world that's completely different? Yeah, so we've got some potential issues there. Um, num- number one, if, if the and I don't know, I think right as of right now, the state is still determined that state testing will occur this spring. Yeah, I think the meeting coming up in a couple of weeks to to like either confirm or 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 not confirm that. I'm not sure. I think teachers uh-huh. have been following the new education secretary so closely, <laughs> like just but, waiting for that announcement. But yeah, so here's okay. Two thoughts. One, I'm not a fan of state testing in the first place. Now. If we had some sort of similar type thing that, that we do with STAR, where we're checking kids all year long and we yes. can see that growth, because what I don't like about state testing is let's take a, um, a low achiever, just a student that has some learning issues, struggles all year long during school, um, and, 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 and learning is like not just hard, but like super duper hard, right? So that kid comes up in the spring testing with limited knowledge, all right? That's probably where they're supposed to be. But let's look at where that kid started in August. And we don't have that metric. We don't have the metric of Not where the they State are Department. in November. We don't have a metric of where they are in February. So we don't know if that student grew or not. We just know that they're in limited knowledge. And as and the school looks at that, it's like, well, damn it. We, you know, this is going to be a mark against us because we've got that. And, and so that's my biggest issue with, with, with standardized testing. Um, and along with the fact, like, what is it that we're really trying to measure? Like, what are you really, really trying to measure? And don't tell me it's whatever it is that the state t- test is on. No, that's that's right. Now, part two, 
um, this whole Secretary of Education thing. Like, what does he do? Because I thought we had like a superintendent of instruction that did stuff. So, yeah. so I, I saw this person the other day. I was like, wait a second, <laughs> my spidey senses are tingling. Um, so, so yeah. So I'm, I'm frustrated with that. We need we need one voice that represents education. If that's the Secretary of Education, fine. If that's the superintendent of, of instruction, fine. But it just needs to be one voice. We can't have like all these competing voices right. um, along the line. And and the other thing that we were Oof, boy, I feel I feel soapbox coming. We, <laughs> we have got we have got we have got to let go of things that no longer matter. And 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 if you haven't figured that out by now, at, at this stage of, of where we're in the school year, figure it out. You cannot teach all the crap you want to teach to your students. You have to look at what the state has put out for us as those blueprints and guides. You have to look at the standards that your students need to meet, and that is what you teach to. Um, that will help you with your burnout. I know that you love dinosaurs and ladybugs, but you can't wiggle dinosaurs and ladybugs into every gosh darn lesson all year through. Like, you can't do that now. When you're working in these online environments with your students, you have got to speak directly to the standards. It's teaching and learning. They have to go together, and it's got to be hyper-focused, hyper-focused on the standard, hyper-focused on the standard. The f you, you just can't do the fluff anymore. And if you're stressed out because you're trying to do so much, then what I would tell you to do is pare back what you're teaching and just teach to the dang standard. Cut the fluff. And, and then if, if you can do that, that might also help in the long run with the big BS test that we're going to have to take in April anyway. But, um, but, but yeah, it's, yeah, especially if all year long you've been teaching ladybugs and dinosaurs, and then on the state test, they're going to see uh, graduated cylinders and, you know, uh, uh, conic prisms. Yeah, or, or whatever. I mean, you, you know, or, or, or maybe maybe at, at your, I'm not knocking drawing a hand turkey at Thanksgiving. What are you really doing with the hand turkey? I mean, maybe there's a good lesson in there. I, I don't know. I'm not saying drawing hand turkeys is bad. But if we're just doing a hand turkey to do a hand turkey to do a hand turkey, it gets eliminated. It's got to it's got to get eliminated. And and so and so how how are we teaching about Thanksgiving? Like, what does that really look like? And 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 so I, I don't know. Um, I think that's one of the things that I, that that sometimes gets me really frustrated with our teachers all, everywhere. All the teachers that I talk to, they're amazing. They do great things. They teach amazing things. But. In this pandemic world, we don't have time to, I mean, you know, we may not have time to do the hand turkey. I know it's a big deal. I know you love teaching it, you know, um, or, or whatever. And I'm not picking on hand turkeys. Like, whoever you, whoever, <laughs> hand, what is your problem with hand turkeys, Scott? <laughs> like, like, I had hand turkeys in calculus class, um, you know, that I can look back on and be like, well, I didn't really need to spend two weeks doing that waste of time thing. I mean, you know, um, we all have those things. And and so if you go and look at like what you're teaching, I guarantee you, you could look through there and go, I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do this. And then what does it look like for you planning out your next unit? If you, if you're truly objection, you know, taking that objective viewpoint of what do I have to teach? Uh, that might help a lot with frustration and burnout and feeling overwhelmed and, you know, going through large amounts of margaritas. Especially if your entire hand turkey lesson took an hour on Zoom and, um, you know, okay. 
Okay, seriously, that I, I've, I've got to wrap this up. I could talk with you every week at a certain time for an hour. I mean, just saying, um, we, we may we may need to bring the podcast back. This was so much fun, Scott. Well, maybe maybe we could do Oklahoma and we could just go our own way. Hey. And tie it to the chat and more. I don't know. Uh, thank you for being my guest today. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're truly amazing. Not as amazing as you are, Miss Barnes. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. Well, have a great day. All right. All right. Well, well done. Well done. Good luck out there, educator people. You just teach your pants off, but not really because kids. All the time we have for today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and rate the podcast. Subscribe. Uh, if you subscribe, you're notified each time a new episode drops. Uh, if you're a re- returning listener, would you leave us a comment right now? Uh, I really appreciate those uh, ratings and comments. Tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare the next generation for a rapidly evolving